Welcome to another episode of Mama Earth Talk. I'm your host, Maris Canal. Realizing just how much waste we generate on a daily basis, I've set a personal goal not only to reduce, reuse, and recycle, but to also educate the world about sustainability and how each of us can help preserve our beautiful planet. Thanks for listening. Let's dig in. Hey, crazy birds. I hope you guys are doing well. I am really, really excited about uh, today's podcast guest. I have been following her journey for some time and I'm super stoked to actually share her journey and her amazing work that she does with you guys. She is a registered dietitian, a mother, a wife, a health advocate, and a podcaster. She also founded and run minimalwellness.com and her new podcast, How to Love, with her husband and co-host, Joshua Fields Milburn of The Minimalist. And during this episode, we talked about her journey to minimal wellness. What exactly is Whole Foods and how minimizing our lifestyle and our health can actually make us focus more on the important things in life. And she also shared with us some of her really amazing recipes. And we also talked about her new podcast with her husband and Crazy Birds. Without any further ado, I would like to welcome Becca Schoen. Welcome to the podcast, Becca. Thanks for having me, Riska. You are most welcome. So how did your sustainable journey actually start? So I think the best way of talking about it for me is that I grew up in a very sustainable household. I grew up in Minnesota, which is a state in the U.S. and one of the northern states, you know, and we always had organic gardens and my mom grew a lot of stuff at home and she made food from scratch every day and gave us organic blue corn chips in our lunches that everyone was like, what are those? You know, in the eighties, <laughs> it was before they were a thing. And yeah, so I just kind of grew up with, with the idea of like keeping the earth in mind. Right. And I've kind of just carried that through into adulthood. And, you know, now I'm getting close to 40 and been able to weave in sustainability in different ways and in different capacities throughout my life. And it's been it's pretty great, actually. <laughs> oh, wow. That sounds amazing. I can imagine like what the reaction would have been from those kids, you know, with all these extremely strange things that now is super common and everyone's like raving about some of those things. So you guys were way before the times actually, or way before, before it came cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so you actually have like your own company set up and everything, and it's called Minimal Wellness. What exactly is that? Yeah, so Minimal Wellness, I'm a registered dietitian by training. Actually, part of my sustainability journey was weaving food and local food and organic food, nutritious food in with my practice as, an, as a dietitian. And I did that in the capacity of working for a university in Montana for about a decade. And then when that chapter came to a close, I decided to open a private practice. So I do a web-based private practice where I help clients with nutrition and wellness and 
sort of wholesome living. And through that, I also use like a minimalist lens. And so that is where the minimal wellness comes from. But the idea is, is that, you know, figuring out what you can shed from your life in terms of stuff, obviously, which ties in with sustainability in a really lovely way, but then also like advice, right? And, and junk food and all these sorts of extraneous ideas and concepts of junk and how we can shed them and, and move forward with, with a more healthy and vibrant life. I love how you actually said ideas and things as well, because when it comes to wellness and when it comes to your health, I'm sure there are so many people out there that has literally read this blog on this and someone saying, you know, if you just drink, I don't know, celery juice for every meal for, you know, two weeks, you are going to be the healthiest person. And then after the two weeks, you are so fed up with that. Then you go to another diet or another advice, you know, someone is saying, oh, if you just drink black coffee and, you know, have a slice of toast or it just always boggles me because I used to be that person as well that, you know, you try this thing because someone said, this is a great idea. And then you change everything. Two weeks later, there's an, another better idea that comes up and the stuff just constantly changed. So I, I love how you say to kind of get rid of that as well. And you focus a lot as well on whole foods. And that's the other thing that for me is so interesting as well, because when I look at or when I hear about whole foods, I just think that our entire food system is so broken that many people don't even know exactly what is whole food. So first of all, I just wanted to ask you, like, kind of how would you define what exactly is whole foods before we continue on that? Let's actually back up just a second, because I think you brought up something really, really important. And that is the idea that what ends up happening, especially in the health and wellness space and, and diet space, is that we become very consumerist in how we take in information around health and wellness. I think it's because we're, by and large, such an unhealthy population, whether it's, you know, in the US or Australia, obviously Australia is <laughs> better in that regard than, than Americans are. But, you know, we all still struggle in, in the industrialized world with, with chronic disease and, and illness. And one of the things that has come from that is this obsession with the quick fix, with miracle cures, right? And, and the things that can be marketed as the one-stop shop to solving all of your problems. And it's nonsense, right? <laughs> and it creates this pattern in us of looking for the next thing to try. Exactly. And what I've found is that, and what I, I know is true, is that when we can bring our, our dietary intake and our lifestyle pattern down to the most fundamental levels, we generally thrive. And I don't mean that to say that like you can solve everything with diet and lifestyle. To be completely honest, my husband is living through like just extreme challenges in this regard. And we have all the resources at our disposal and we still can't figure out how to unravel it. And so there are just these times when we don't know what to do, yeah. right? But I think, I think that the more we can boil it down to the essence 
the better shot we have of figuring it out and getting healthy and feeling whole and feeling vibrant. And so back to your question, what are whole foods? It's basically any food in its most original form. It's any food that was grown in the ground or raised from the ground, you know, of nature, not man-made, not created, not synthesized in a lab. And so the idea of whole foods is, is basically just unprocessed things from the ground, whether that's fruits and vegetables in their unprocessed forms, grains, legumes, animal products, you know, meat, seafood, etc. You can build from there, right? And generally speaking, people are kind of like, well, does, does cooking count as processing? No, cooking doesn't count as processing. Like that is a, it's a food preparation method, right? And so you, as humans, we tend to add the cooking process on top of it. But generally speaking, as long as you are the one or someone you know, or a restaurant you trust is handling that cooking process, like I consider that to be the end point being whole foods. Oh, I love that. And if I just look at some um, some of the stuff that I make, because especially sauces and things that we buy from the store, when you look at that ingredients and you're like, hang on, like mayonnaise, that's actually just like three or four ingredients. But on the store bought one, it's got quite a few extra ones that, you know, it's not that healthy for me. So I think the more we look at that, so I always look at something and I'm like, okay, I could make this at home just from the ingredients there is, then I'm I'm more kind of likely to be able to purchase it. Or if it's something like that mayonnaise that has like, who knows how many ingredients, I'm just not going to really purchase it because there's all sorts of sugars and additives and, you know, stuff, very nasty stuff that you really don't need. So people start reading the labels and, you know, support your local like farmers markets and know where your food's actually grown because that also I feel from like, you know, a healthy perspective, it gives me more of a connection to my food but also from like a minimalist perspective as well, because then, you know, I'm only buying the stuff that I really need because now I've seen the process of, you know, how do you grow this? Like we can't just buy everything because we feel like going to the market and buy everything, you know, you kind of have to plan and make sure you use all your food as well. Cause there's nothing more wasteful than just throwing up stuff away that has gone off as well. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I think the the connection to the local farmers and your local food system, your food network is is a really beautiful sort of byproduct of getting to know your body, right? And like it's a it's a very interesting way of like bringing your health and your well-being into community with the people around you and like you create this like sort of synergistic effect, right? Like they nourish you, you you nourish them. And as a, as a byproduct, the community as a whole starts to sort of get healthier and, and more resilient. Oh, I love that. And just, yeah, that, that whole community feel for me is just amazing. And I mean, so, so obviously for us adults, it's great, you know, going to the farmer's market and eating healthy because, you know, we've kind of learned from some stuff in the past and we're moving forward. But you are actually a mom of like a beautiful daughter, Ella, what has been some of those challenges to kind of find that balance, making sure she eats healthy 
and also enjoy the healthy food because that's such an important aspect as well. She's almost eight and she is, she has always had this interesting dynamic. Like she's very sensory focused and because she's very sensory focused or particularly focused on, on tastes and feel like mouthfeel and texture and things. And so more than some other kids, she's sort of like hyper aware of how things taste and like she can distinguish like nuances between things. That has been both a blessing and a curse for us, <laughs> right? In that it's fun to cook for her because she, unlike lots of kids, she's actually like, oh, like I can taste the honey in this. It's like, oh, oh wow, wow, that's really cool. You know, or, uh, you know, she can pick out individual flavors, but at the same time, it tends to make her more picky <laughs> because she's like, oh, you know, I, the combinations of some things she's just like not into. So for me, it's been, it's been an evol a personal evolution in a sense of like providing her the things that I feel are most nourishing, but at the same time, working to let go of control, right? <laughs> and it's this beautiful dance between providing the nourishing food and not doing it in a pressuring, coercive sort of way, but also giving her some understanding of like balance, right? And moderation. And so we provide the healthy foods, but we also, you know, give treats and um, have lots of talk around why we choose healthier foods and how they make us feel and that they give us fuel to do the things we want to be doing. Like right now she's really getting into running. Oh, wow. And I was a soccer player and a runner and like never a very good runner, like that part of it. But the, the, the team sport part was great. And then her father is a very fast human. <laughs> and so she, she's kind of just discovered this, like, oh my gosh, I love it. Like, I love how my body feels when I run. Oh, wow. Right. And it's been super neat to watch her. But one of the things we've had to talk about is like, gosh, I'm getting really tired <laughs> and I, I still want to be going. And so we're starting to talk about protein, you know, and carbohydrates and not just relying on sugar. And there's no right or wrong way, you know, necessarily to, to help your child develop a, a healthy relationship with food. You kind of got to get to know them. Yeah, <laughs> and, definitely. And their personality and figure out like, okay, so how can I create the environment in which it's most likely that they will learn to like healthy foods. And I think that that generally speaking is providing those healthy foods for them, modeling, actually eating these foods, right? So you can't just give them a healthy meal and then turn around and eat pizza for dinner yourself, yeah, right? Like exactly. Or, yeah. Or say, Oh, kids don't get, you know, treats, but turn around and have a bowl of ice cream every night. Right. So you have yeah. to be consistent. You have to be consistent and you have to be willing to model these behaviors yourself, but not in a restrictive and dogmatic sort of way. Exactly. So it's, it's like a give and a take. Yeah. I love that because, you know, I remember when I kind of grew, grew up and especially with my husband, he hates peas. Like he cannot eat peas. And his mom used to kind of give him the bowl of peas and say, eat your peas. And he would actually eat it like you would swallow tablets. He would take like one, put it in his mouth, take a sip of water, one. And that's how he ate his peas. And still oh. to today, 
He refused to eat peas. So if anything's got peas in, he's just like, hell no, not, not doing that. I'm like all grown up. I don't need to be eating peas if I don't want to eat it. So I think that's also a very important balance to kind of, you know, if your kids really don't like something, don't force it. Like, you know, for relax, sure. Relax. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to do way more harm than good. Exactly. Especially like there's no one particular food that your child has to eat. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> there's not. Yeah. And I mean, your website is absolutely full of the most amazing recipes. I would definitely urge our crazy birds to go out there and check it out. I mean, you know, you've got like your gingerbread cashew butter kiss cookies that absolutely, that looks just phenomenal. Like kind of what inspired you to start sharing your recipes? It's a combination of things. What Like I just enjoy cooking, right? And I think that it's just a fun, creative outlet more than anything. And a lot of my clients, you know, with, with nutrition coaching, were like, well, what can I make? I was like, well, you want to combine these <laughs> things and do, do it this way? And they're like, well, I don't know how to do that. And so especially some of the earlier ones were just ways of helping clients understand, like, here are the food combinations that you want to look for, right? Like, how, how to pull in some, some clean proteins and some healthy fats and get your blood sugar stabilized and those sorts of things. So it grew out of like both my creative desire and also kind of a need from my clients to give them some sort of direction <laughs> with, uh, with where to take food, food choices. Oh, yeah. I love that. And if our crazy birds were to go to your website today, like what would you say is that top three recipes that you absolutely love that's kind of easy to do and that you would say you know head on and do these three first if you don't know where to start yeah yeah so there's a couple I have one for golden recovery milk it's called golden recovery milk and it's basically like a high protein dairy-free or can be dairy-free version of golden milk right so the turmeric based hot drink generally speaking and that one is super good post-workout or anytime you feel like extra inflamed, but I love it after a workout because it's got a good amount of protein in it. And then all of the anti-inflammatory properties from the, the turmeric and there's black pepper and ginger and cardamom in there, I believe. Yeah. It's just really like warm and spicy and I, I just really like it. And then there's um, a kale coleslaw with avocado and jalapeno dressing that's super easy, but like really, really tasty. I'm not a big coleslaw fan. And then one day I had like a kale coleslaw at a restaurant. I was like, oh, this is a game changer. So I went home and played around with it for a bit and came up with that one that I really, really like. And then there's a, there's a Tom Ka Ga, which is a, a Thai chicken coconut soup. Ooh, that I really like. And it's very straightforward and super nourishing. You can do it also as a, you can do tofu and not have it chicken based. So like if you're vegan or plant-based, you can do it that way. And I really, that soup is delicious and very simple and straightforward to make, but still like substantial and, and nourishing. They sound absolutely amazing. I'm definitely going to link that up in our show notes so our crazy birds can go and try it out, you know. I'm definitely going to try out that chicken one. Sounds amazing. I'll have the husband have it with chicken and I'll maybe do something else, a little bit more plant-based for me. 
But yeah, that sounds so amazing. And Becca, we've kind of talked a little bit about food and whole foods, but there's so much more to having a healthier life, like purposeful exercise and quality sleep. Like, can you talk to us a little bit more about those two pillars? Yeah, yeah. So the purposeful exercise thing, we're designed to move, right? I was talking a little earlier about how, you know, my daughter's just discovering this joy of running and it's in a different capacity than when they're little, right? Like she's like understanding the, literally understanding that she enjoys her body when it's moving through space, which is different than just like the pure experience, you know, when they're, when they're littler. And so I I think it's helpful, especially for us adults to realize that that's how we're built to be. We're built to move. We're built to feel our bodies. We're built to interact with the world via our physical beings, right? Our Mm -hmm. physical bodies. And so moving them through space in some sort of way that resonates with us, whether that's yoga or running or even gardening and walking and hiking, right? Like it doesn't have to be anything prescriptive. It shouldn't be anything prescriptive. But what makes your body feel good, that ties into the sleep piece, right? So when we're moving our bodies more purposefully and more enjoyably, preferably every day, because that's, again, how we're built to be, (laughs) we tend to sleep better. And so they kind of go hand in hand. When you're not moving your body, it's harder to get to sleep and it's harder to stay asleep. You got to kind of expend the energy in order to not have it at night and have it keep you up. And there's some other things around sleep, you know, screens. I'm sure we've all heard of, you know, blue light at this point and minimizing screens at night, minimizing just general artificial lighting at night. We use a lot of candles around our house in the evening, especially in Montana, In the winters, it gets really dark very early and the candlelight is a nice way of like still having light because you, you know, it's five o'clock and it's dark out. (laughs) So it's like, oh, I don't want to say that we exclusively use candles. That's not what I'm saying, but it's just a nice way of like toning things down. Yeah. But then also like for me personally, one of the big important things has been removing caffeine. I struggled really hard. Like at with night or like totally, totally. Like period. Oh yeah, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But like that's where sometimes the terminus ends. Is like, yeah. gosh, I'm still not sleeping and I've cut my caffeine back to one cup a day. I could never have it past noon. I'd even bring it back to like I don't have it past 10 a.m., you know, just earlier and earlier. And it's like, gosh, I still can't sleep. And I'm telling you, when I finally was like, this has got, something has to change. I was like, okay, well, let's try going caffeine free for a little while. And it, that was the piece. Oh my gosh. So, but how do you, how do you wake up in the mornings then? Like I, I can't do it's, it with a cup of joe. <laughs> you, you adjust to it, which is funny. Cause like it takes a few weeks wow. to, to feel, to feel your natural energy come back. And yes, if you sort of abuse the situation, meaning like you stop prioritizing actually sleeping when you're supposed to sleep, Mm. then you do need to go back on the, like you feel the need to go back on the caffeine to give you the boost in the morning. But what I found was that the caffeine was preventing me from sleeping well in the first place. And so when I pulled the caffeine all the way out, I was like, 
within a few days, I was like, oh, I actually feel okay in the morning. And then a few days turned to it turned into a couple weeks. And after a couple weeks, it was like, yep, this is how my body is supposed to be. It's not that way for everybody, but um, yeah, for me, that happened to be the, the linchpin, so to speak. Well, I might even try that. I'll let you know how that goes. Please but, do. But yeah, do you have like a specific like sleep routine? So you've said, you know, down the lights, like, but what, what else? Is there like a secret that we can try to get some better sleep? There's no secret. I think the important thing to consider is what your personal challenges might be, right? And understand where your stress points are. And for me, sometimes it's helpful to do some yoga at night if I feel like particularly tense, right? So yoga can be really helpful. A bath sometimes can be really helpful, especially if I'm feeling like emotional, right? Like a long bath with a maybe like Epsom salt soak to help just kind of pull some toxins out, you know? I'll do some journaling sometimes before bed or light some candles and do some reading before bed. It all kind of depends on how I'm feeling. So I don't have any one particular routine. I would say the, the most common thread is like a calming cup of tea. So some chamomile or some sort of tea with valerian or lavender, right? Like calming, calming herbs is a nice way of taking it down a few notches in the evening. Yeah. But, and like kind of white noise, would you use like white noise? Cause that's something that we've been recently doing just because we've got like a, a gate from the basement. So every time it's shut, it was like, boom. And then you're like, Ooh, wide awake. Hello, someone here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you actually mentioned that. Cause yes, I do have a couple of like actual sleep strategies, not pre bedtime strategies that are, I use without fail. So Yes, a white noise machine. I'm a really light sleeper. So for me, this is really important. The, the white noise machine, I use a really high quality pair of earplugs and a sleep mask. So I block out all the light. Oh, wow. I look ridiculous when I sleep, <laughs> but it's okay. It's like I'm actually sleeping. It doesn't matter. Oh, wow. That's, that's a great one. I haven't tried the sleep mask, but um, definitely something to look forward to. Yeah, so we've We've talked about the food and everything, but I want to kind of bring it back to like the minimalist as well. How has being a minimalist actually helped you on your journey with what you are doing? Minimalism is just kind of like a lens through which I see the world. It helps in that sometimes I'll feel like particularly overwhelmed in an area and I'll be like, gosh, like, how can I simplify this area? You know, whether it's financial or physical clutter or even my, my food and my diet stuff, right? It's like, what area, what areas can I simplify and, and bring it down to the essentials? And just looking at it through that lens is really helpful for me. It's not necessarily helpful for, for others, but you know, it's been, it's been great for me to just kind of get down to the essence of things and, be able to see what is really impacting me in any given day and any given time. Well, and I mean, with minimalism, that is something that you've been doing for so many years now. So obviously, when people start with that journey, they might be so much that's going on, whether it is actually stuff in your house that's being cluttered and dragging you down that you don't even realize, you know, if you go to your study, and there's just 
thousands of stuff going on, you, you struggle to really focus and narrow down to what it is that you need to do. But also like what we've talked previously about, you know, some stuff that's in your head, you kind of no, no need to clear that all out. So yeah, that, that's been such a great journey for us. And I mean, with you as well, just to kind of follow that, that you've been doing. But what advice would you kind of give someone that wants to start like their own health journey and like journey that's focusing more on like experiences and being healthy instead of just having stuff and making sure you try every single diet that you see along the route? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the the most important thing is to pay attention to that voice that says you want to start something and honoring that and listening to what it's nudging you towards. And so if it's nudging you towards like, gosh, I feel like I'm just overwhelmed in my physical space. Okay, start there. See what you can uh, remove from your physical space, the clutter that may be around you, whether that's your, your clothes or stuff in your car or your kitchen, right? Start somewhere. Or maybe it's like, gosh, I feel like I'm being pulled towards paying more attention to my nutritional status. Okay, well then start with one meal at a time and like focus on that one meal. I think, you know, whether it's financial, like, gosh, I'm feeling super pressured around my finances. Okay, so where can you look in your finances to, to start unraveling that that not, whether it's how can I make more money? Usually it's not that. Usually it's how can I reduce my expenses? Okay, mm. well, where do most of our expenses come from? Lots of people have massive amounts of extraneous purchases on stuff they don't really need, right? And so that's another place where you could just kind of look. But I think the most important thing is to listen to what you're being nudged to explore and take specific, concrete, and small steps toward actually exploring that. Because the thing is, is like, there's no one right place to start on any sort of journey. You have to listen to what your soul is telling you is your place to start, and then have the confidence to start to actually start and take those steps to, to move you down that path. Oh, I love that. And I mean, even if I just look at like kind of my health journey, you know, like obviously when I was at school and at uni, there was so many activities going on. You know, some days I would be literally training between three and four hours a day because you've got hockey and then you've got running. And, you know, so when that kind of stopped and I got stuck in this convenience mode of like, you know, McDonald's drive-thru is just around the corner instead of making my own healthy meal. And I gained and gained and gained so much weight that, um, you know, to a point where I was like kind of in, in this like unhappy place where I'm like, I'm doing everything. You know, I, I have someone that's doing my meal planning. I have someone that, you know, comes in every single day and we have like personal training, but just like nothing was kind of working for me. And it was so, so frustrating. And, you know, I would kind of look at a piece of cake and I kid you not, I would gain weight just by looking <laughs> at it. So it, it was just so overwhelming. And, you know, so this year, one of the things that I set out was to kind of, you know, focus on my health and to 
let everything go, all of this like negativity, because every time when you look at yourself in the mirror, you're like, oh, girl, where is that girl with the beautiful legs that used to weigh this much? You know, you're like way so far behind or, you know, it, it was such a long time ago. And now is really the time that I've actually seen, oh, wow, I'm, I'm actually getting results because I'm eating healthy and I'm focusing on what I put on my, in my body. And I'm not buying like junk stuff that, you know, is cluttering my life and also making me feel like, depressed and, you know, that you feel like so just overwhelmed. And, you know, then when you go on Instagram and you see all of these beautiful, you know, women posing and, you know, you you just think what happens? Like, you know, I want to be, I want to look like that. I want to be like that. So I think there's so much pressure as well. And that's what I like what you said that, you know, we kind of need to minimalize all of these voices as well and focus more on ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. We don't generally make change from a place of negativity or lack. You know, it's funny. You, you, you commented about like how you'd look at a piece of cake and like it would just appear. Right. <laughs> yeah. like, and, and I know you don't mean that literally, but I think it's a very interesting way of thinking about how powerful our thoughts actually are. And I'm not saying you literally gained the weight from that cake, but your mind was, was so in the mode of thinking in terms of food and weight gain and negative negativity, right? And you're stuck in that loop of like, nothing I'm doing is working. And this is all a waste of time and energy and etc. And when you can shift that into caring for yourself, instead, and caring for the environment, right, and caring for the people around you, and nourishing yourself, that's a positive type of cycle. And so when we can get ourselves into the positive cycle, then it's easier to help see where the negative impacts are coming in. So whether it's people on Instagram that you're like, gosh, it's not serving me to see, you know, this 20 year old in a bikini every day, you know, saying her life is beautiful or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, good for you. But that seeing that is not helpful for me. And so like unfollow, right? And just thinking about like, where are these voices or, you know, sort of negative influences coming in that are bringing me down, right? And they're, they're putting me back into the state of thinking about things in terms of lack, in terms of what I'm not, in terms of how I'm not measuring up to whether those be my expectations or my perceptions of society's expectations, right? And focusing back on you and your ability to control your day-to-day decisions and and what you do with your time and your energy and where you place your time and your energy. I definitely think we need to kind of do like what I like to do is the bin audit with all of our trash. I definitely think, you know, do an audit with your life as well and see what is those stuff that's holding you back and try and slowly you know, let go and, and, um, just like minimize what, what you've got. So yeah. Wow. That's, that's really some powerful stuff. And you are always full of like positivity and giving some, some advice, whether it's for the health or, you know, wellness, but you have also started a podcast with your husband, Joshua, how to love, like, can you tell us more about that? Cause I would love to know more. 
Yeah, yeah. So How to Love, um, it's a private podcast. You can find it on Patreon or howtolove.show, S-H-O-W. But it's a relationship, sex, and parenting podcast. And my husband and I, um, are, one of our favorite things to do is to have long form conversations with each other. And oftentimes they're like difficult or not even diff- like, they're just conversations that most people don't have with, especially with their spouse. One day we're just like, man, we should record these. And so we just started recording them. And it's, um, it's a listener driven show. So we tend to answer listener questions uh, in those different areas, relationships, sex, and parenting. And then we just kind of talk and use those as jumping off points for, for our long, long form discussions. And we're having a great time with it. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, wow. And you've done, I think it's now like eight episodes or seven. Is it seven or eight? Yeah, yeah seven. Oh, seven, wow. Eight. Yeah. <laughs> that's, it's new. It's totally new. Yeah. But it's a lot of fun. Oh, that, yeah. that's amazing. So I'm definitely going to link that up in our show notes as well. So our crazy birds can go over there and support you guys and listen to it. It sounds absolutely fascinating. You've also been a guest on your husband's uh, podcast as well a few times. So the minimalist, I will put that in the in the show notes as well, so that our crazy birds can can listen to that as well. So, Becca, what has been one of your most important decisions that you've made around Mama Earth? So this last year, during the pandemic and all of the craziness that's ensued as a result of that, it's not even a decision. It's just been more like a nudge. <laughs> to to reconnect with with mama earth i did a ton of backpacking when i was a teenager and i was really really outdoorsy and and even through my 20s i was very outdoorsy and in my 30s i kind of like stepped back from that a little bit and so this year especially with ella and i and even with joshua here in la we we've really made a concerted effort to to get back in touch with mama earth and we go on hikes and walks and just spend lots of quality time outside in like deep appreciation of, of nature. And that has made all the difference, I feel like, in our, our well-being this year. That's amazing. And yeah, yeah, I mean, if like I'm amazed, one of my friends lives in L.A. and she's very connected with nature And she goes on these amazing walks and I'm like, where are you? And she's like, just here outside LA. And I was like, that exists. I thought it was just like, you know, Hollywood Boulevard and, you know, you've got that. And I've been to LA, but I haven't experienced that nature. And I was so, so amazed that, you know, that's there on the doorstep and so many people don't know about that. So yeah, guys, go out and go to your local park or nature reserve and just like, have some time with you and Mama Earth and just, you know, connect, connect again. Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's the best balm. (laughs) (laughs) So, Becca, we are going to move into our final five. First one is, what is one social media account or publication that you follow? Well, my favorite right now is Emily at Embodying Wild. She and I are doing some rewilding work together. Oh, cool. Definitely check that one out. And what is your hope for Mama Earth going forward? I hope that we figure out a way to live in balance. You know, I think that humans have have really (laughs) done a number on Mama Earth. And I hope that 
she helps steer us in the right direction of being able to to live in balance with her once again. Awesome. And what advice can you give our crazy birds this week to actually help out Mama Earth? I think just that connection that we talked about, right? I think that when we're more connected to Mama Earth, it's easier to keep her in mind, right? And to, to do right by her with whatever we have the capacity to do, right? Whatever feels right to us, it's easier to do that when we, when we acknowledge her presence more. And what is one sustainability fact that you like to use in a room with people not yet on a sustainable journey? You know, it's funny about that is I am not in the business of convincing people. <laughs> and so I, I don't do, I don't tend to do that. I don't tend to like try to, to convince others that are not kind of generally going in the same direction. You know, I don't think it works. You know, if we can all think about like used car salesmen, oh, right? Like it yeah. just, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. If they're not, if there's not at least part of their brain that's tuned in to thinking about sustainability or, you know, nature or our connection to, to mama earth, it's just, it's going to fall on deaf ears and it's a waste of everyone's energy. So yeah, <laughs> I, I, I tend to, to prefer to speak to like-minded people and, and raise our raise our residents that way awesome and becca where can people actually find you yeah so minimalwellness.com is my website and then you can find me at at minimal wellness on all the social media channels oh, awesome and if someone would like to work with you to like with minimal wellness that they can check out on your website how would they go about that there's a link on the website. <laughs> so is it just yeah. to the services and then, you know, the co yeah. kind of coaching and awesome. So, and yeah. yeah, my, my offerings change all the time. So yeah, just doing the services tab is, is the best place. Okay. Awesome. And how, how does that process just to kind of get, get an idea? Like, you know, if someone wants to kind of work with you for coaching, what can they expect? Yeah. Yeah. So right now, um, my coaching is pretty tied up. Like my, my schedule is full, but generally speaking, we do either single sessions or a package of sessions. So whether someone's just looking for a quick sort of tune up, <laughs> so to speak, uh, that, you know, they're already on a, a decent health track and they're like, gosh, you know, this one area is challenging or like, I'd like advice on this, this particular topic, those, those single sessions are really helpful. Um, if someone's looking for long-term coaching, then the, you know, six section packages is, is usually the direction they go, but yeah, just reaching out via the website is the best to figure that out. Or you can, um, sign up for my newsletter and I generally will send out, um, when my books open back up. Oh, awesome. Well, that sounds amazing. I've learned a lot from you, from you and I'm sure Crazy Birds have as well. Thank you so much for your time and just for all the amazing work that you are doing. It's really making such a difference and an impact. I appreciate that, Mariska. Thanks for having me. You're most welcome. And that's a wrap. Huge thank you for our amazing guest for being on the podcast and for sharing their journey with us. You can find the show notes of this episode on the mamaearthtalk.com's website. The biggest thank you goes out to all of you crazy birds for listening to the podcast. 
If you have not already listened to all of the episodes, you can go back to a few of them. You will absolutely love them. I really enjoyed recording every single one of them. And I really hope that you enjoy listening to them. There's over a hundred episodes. So if you feel a little bit lost on which one to listen to next, maybe select one of the episodes with guests that you might want to know more of and start from there. If you enjoy the episodes, why not tell a friend about the podcast and maybe share an episode with them? Let them know that we are here and we are waiting for them with open arms and they are all very welcome to join the crazy birds globally. If you have a question for me, please send them over. The best place would probably be a DM on Instagram at Design by Mariska or pop me an email at hello at mamaearthtalk.com. If there's a particular guest or topic that you would like to hear on the podcast, let me know. I love to hear from all you crazy birds. New episodes are uploaded every second Monday. So make sure to subscribe that you do not miss a thing. Mama Earth has a voice and it's us crazy birds.